I'm going to read some scripture from Psalm 95 and pray, and we'll prepare our hearts for worship. For worship. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is a great God and the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands, his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the flock under his care. Father God, we are your people. We come before you, we kneel, we worship. We love you. We ask for your spirit. We ask for hearts to feel and ears to hear what your spirit would be having for us today. Lord, we pray for Garrett and we pray for all the other ministries that are going on in the building. And we trust that you are with us at all times, but especially now as we gather together to be with you. In Jesus' name, amen. I am the true grapevine. And my father is a gardener. And he cuts away every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. And he prunes every branch that does bear fruit so that it'll produce even more. You have been pruned and purified by the message that I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For when a branch has been severed from the vine, it cannot produce fruit, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And those who remain in me and I remain in them will produce much fruit. But anyone who does not remain in me will be thrown away like a useless branch and wither. And such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you can ask for anything you want, and it'll be granted. And when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to the Father. I have loved you as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Obey my commandments. Yep. You will in my just as I have obeyed my father's commandments, and I remained in his love. I tell you these things so that you will feel my joy. And yes, your joy will overflow. Gospel of John, 
chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. It was March of 1997. I was standing in the kitchen with my girlfriend's dad. Ashley and her mom had gone uh, shopping. So we were unloading the dishwasher. And every time he would bend down in the dishwasher to take out some dishes, I would mouth these words. Bob, I would like to ask Ashley to marry me. And then when he'd stand up, I'd say, Bob, I would like to... Uh, can you give me a letter of reference for a job? <laughs> okay. And then when he'd turn around to put the dishes away while he was facing away, I'd say, Bob, I wanted to ask your permission if I could ask Ashley to marry me. And when he'd turn around, I'd say, Bob, how was work? <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't say it when he was looking at me. So, so I waited till he had his head stuck in the dishwasher. And I said, Bob, I'd like to ask Ashley to marry me. <laughs> and he stood up real fast. And he said, well, I think that'd be real nice. <laughs> and then he said he had one piece of advice. Now, what does a guy say who's been a Christian for decades, who has raised and married off three children, and this is the last one, and the only girl, and he just wants to give one piece of advice to try to guide this boy idiot who's about to take her away. Here was his one piece of advice. He said, get in a church and stay in a church. That was it. Of all the things he could have talked about, he could have talked about romance, debt, responsibility, communication, of all the things he could have talked about, why did he say that? Get in a church and stay in a church. The answer is in today's scripture passage. In fact, today's scripture passage contains the key to a joy-filled life, period. In fact, these are Jesus' last words to his disciples. These are the words he said as they walked from the, garden of, uh, they walked from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane. These were chosen very carefully by him. So these are worth our attention you know, you, you, you choose your words carefully when they're your last words. You choose your words carefully when you're marrying off your only daughter. So whatever's in here, we've got we've to dig deep. So let's begin. The Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 and 2 say, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear fruit. More fruit. So Jesus gives us this picture of a grapevine. And he says, uh, my father is a vine grower. And he comes along and branches that aren't going to produce fruit, he cuts off. Now this is kind of a scary picture because if you're, he also says, even the branches that do bear fruit, uh, I cut them way back. So if you're a vine and you're just growing and minding your own business, evidently God's going to come and cut you back. Why would he do that? I asked some folks that I know who take care of, of vegetable gardens and prune fruit and all that sort of stuff, and I just asked them without telling them why, why do you do this? Why do you prune? They said, okay. They said, you prune branches because with, if you don't, they grow out of control. He said they become bushy, 
and they grow in on themselves and they choke out themselves from the sun. Has your life gotten tangled and out of control? Are you so busy you can't see the sun? Is it spending? Is it buying? You've just bought so much stuff. Now you have to work at a job you hate just to fund it all. It's just this tangled mass. Maybe you need the vine grower to come and prune some of that off. I said, why do you prune vegetables? They said, or fruit or vines. They said, if you don't prune vines, they'll produce tons and tons of fruit, but it's tiny fruit and it's not very good. They said, if you prune them, they'll produce fewer fruit, but they'll be spectacular fruit. I hear that, I think of uh, ministries. I think of Veronica's Voice. Veronica's Voice is a ministry we partnered with years ago. And uh, it's a ministry here in Kansas City that reaches out to those, to prostituted people, actually, and helps them find a way to leave the sex trade. Uh, Kansas City Star just ran an article about them on Thursday. Now, when we first encountered Veronica's voice, they're providing a wide variety of services to prostituted people in the city, and lots of them. Um, Bible study, counseling, food pantry, clothing pantry, child care classes, uh, sanitary supplies. Uh, I, maybe I said Bible study. All kinds of things. Safe place to stay. And then came a pruning. Now, this particular pruning came through some people who decided they didn't want prostitutes recovering in their neighborhood. And so they got it done with the city such that Veronica's Voice lost their facilities. They lost their offices. Now they had a big home that they were getting ready to renovate to be a place where uh, women could come and recover from all that they had been through. And they lost all that. What a pruning. May God deal mercifully with those who did that. But there was some clarity they gained during that time. Through that, they came to realize what they really want is a house. They want a house with five rooms. They want five rooms where five women can come and live without rent for two years. But while they're living there, they have to participate in addiction recovery, participate in uh, counseling for their trauma. And they have to participate in job and vocational training so they have something new to offer that they can be good at. And after two years, emerges these just five pieces of fruit. But they are spectacular fruit. And through our fearless campaign, we'll be with them. They they think they're going to have this house by the fall. So Lakeland will be there with them financially and also they're going to need some help rehabbing whatever property they get and we'll be there to do that as well to see, to be part of that spectacular fruit, but it came from a pruning. The final things, uh, my friends that I asked about this said, they said you prune so that a plant won't grow every direction at once. You, You prune it to channel its energy so it becomes what you made it to be, what you planted it for. You shape it. And the last thing they said was you have to do it every year. You don't prune just once. You've got to prune them every year. So I want to ask, have you got tired? Have you gotten tired of God messing with you? Have you gotten tired of God coming along and cutting pieces off and cutting you back and closing one door and opening another? Well, here's a moment of spiritual maturity. 
get used to it. He's not stopping. He's not ever stopping. No matter how old you get, no matter how much you think you've learned in this Christian walk, he always looks at you and says, oh, you know what would make this fruit spectacular? Get that off of there and that too. He'll do this for the rest of your life. So the moment of spiritual maturity is to say, here I am, Lord, you know how to help this vine make spectacular fruit. What is that fruit we're talking about? We're going to get to that. So that was one of the keys is the pruning. But Jesus has more to say. Verse 3. You have already been cleansed by the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. So the next secret he gives is that we're branches, but we have to abide in this vine. If these branches aren't attached to the vine, they can do nothing. And this vine is Jesus Christ. Now, how do you abide in the vine of Jesus Christ? Theologians have wrestled with this for thousands of years. And so I'm going to quickly summarize to you uh, what they've come up with. One way to abide in the vine of Jesus Christ is to have right beliefs about Jesus. If you've already decided that Jesus is not the Son of God or he's not this person portrayed in Scripture, he's not, uh, or maybe you think he wasn't really fully human or something like that, uh, you're already attached to a different vine before you even start You've already mentally attached yourself to some other vine, and it's not the vine God planted among us. It's, it's actually a vine that you created out of your imagination. So how can we have the right beliefs in the right vine? Well, the church provides a lot of that. We come here every week. We try to learn and expand our view of who God is and who the true vine is. There's opportunities to be in small groups. There's some small groups uh, in our church that really focus on maybe reading books about Jesus or uh, studying passages of Scripture. These are all ways to get our right beliefs in place so we're attached to the true vine. Um, for men, I can offer you men's breakfast. We meet at 8 o'clock on Saturday mornings, first and third Saturdays. And usually you're home before your family even knows you were missing. It just so happens in this season, we are talking about Beliefs about Jesus, laying a strong foundation. But right beliefs isn't all. Right beliefs isn't all. Those beliefs then have to spill out into your hands so that you live a Christ-like life. You do the things a Jesus would do. Scripture says it again and again that if your head is just full of right doctrine, but you know, have no love in your heart, you have no service in your hands, you're not really connected to the vine. You're just connected to the vine from the neck up. So how can you have Christian service in your life? Uh, again, the church provides, I think, a lot of opportunities. There are opportunities every Sunday right here in this room or in the lobby or in our kids' area to put your faith into action, sharing Christ with others. I see people in the room who spent the whole morning cleaning up this place. This place gets run over during the week. So many people use it. You wouldn't believe what it looks like before these, these uh, men and women go to work and they make it home again in a place of worship. 
God blessed them for their service. Um, there's stuff through the week you can do to serve the church and serve the cause of Christ, to put your faith into action. There's things outside the church you can do, organizations in our community that serve the cause of Jesus Christ in this zip code and around the world. So right beliefs and right actions, but that's not all. There's also a third component of abiding in the vine, and it's in your heart. It is, um, this one is more mystical. This one is more spiritual. This one is not quantifiable. It can't be measured or checked off a checklist. I can't teach it to you in a sermon. It's a supernatural interior experience. It's completely unlike anything the world can duplicate. It's a life-giving connection to the presence of Christ. Um, I can only tell you where to begin looking for it, and you would begin looking for it if you don't have it. And all the things that right now you're dismissing in the Christian life as I'm not interested or I don't have time for that, that's where you find it. Uh, I found it in all the ministries that our pastor Dan does about solitude and silence and prayer. To go away to a place where I'm stripped away from all my activity and showiness for God and all I have is him and me in prayer and I had to painfully, because I'm such an action hero in my own mind, I, had, I, I have to focus on just Christ and I and feeling his presence without me having to do something for him or say something about him. So if you've been dismissing solitude and silence, like, oh, I'm not into that. I gotta be doing something. I don't have time for that. Please stop. I, I think you're dismissing a, an important component to abiding in Christ. Try it again. I know you tried it once and you didn't like it. Try it again. Reach deep. So this is why I think my father-in-law gave us his one piece of advice, get in church and stay in church. He knew the church wasn't the vine, but he knew church is a community and a place where every week and through the week, you're given opportunities to have right beliefs and right actions and a right heart. It's a place that will constantly encourage you to abide in the vine. So all the things he probably wanted for his daughter, for the grandkids, he knew they'd all be fed if we just got that right to be attached to the vine. Jesus goes on. Verse six, whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Now, that's what we don't want to happen. So what did these branches do or not do to get them where all they're good for is to be gathered up and, and burned? I struggled a lot with how to illustrate this without coming out with some legalism for you. I think I finally came down to this. Whatever it is that God planted these branches to be, if they're not being that, then it's not a good branch. So whatever it is that God made you to be, if you are not being that, that's not a good branch. Well, what did God make you to be? I can't tell you that. In fact, that message he wants to give you may change through different stages of your life. I can't tell you that. You can only learn that by abiding in the vine. So being attached to the vine of Jesus Christ isn't only important to become what he made you to be, it's important to know what that even is. 
wants you to be what he made you to be. Now, the trouble that we get into as Christians is we start trying to come up with our own replacements for being attached to the vine. Uh, Some of us will try to replace being actually abiding in the vine of Christ. We'll just replace it by having the right beliefs. So we'll just fill our head up with doctrine. We'll think, if I just believe all the right things, then that makes me a Christian. And so we'll have the right beliefs about uh, creation and evolution. And we'll have the right beliefs about whether women should be pastors or not. We'll have the right beliefs about which form of baptism is naughty and which one is nice. And we'll have the right beliefs about all sorts of things. Which Bible you read, okay? We get it, we get it. And then... If you're this type of Christian, very often you'll go home and you'll have a double life. You'll go home and do disgusting things, embarrassing things, things you don't want anyone to know about. No Christian living. All just a head full of right beliefs, often judgmental beliefs. You probably need the vine grower to come along and really prune some stuff off. Let's get rid of that addiction. Let's get rid of all that hate. Gosh, that's such hateful talk. Let's prune all that off and make you what you are really meant to be. Let's have some Christian life to go along with all those good Christian beliefs. Although the Christian life is another thing that we'll use and to, to fake an attachment to the vine. Some of us will have very strange beliefs about Jesus, very loosey-goosey, strange beliefs. No sense of internal connection to him, but we serve him like crazy. Some of us run around and do all kinds of stuff in the church. We're the hardest worker in the church. We got all our morals straight. We'd never commit adultery or look at pornography or anything like that. Forget all that. In fact, we serve the poor. We serve the forgotten. And we can become actually quite crabby about it and say, well, no one's doing all the real service to, to the people of God like I am. Um... I've known lots of Christians like that, and your fruit is already withering, and you don't even know it. Our pastor Dan drew a picture to illustrate this a few years ago. I think we have it here. He drew two apple trees, and the apple tree on your right is a real tree. It's got roots that go down into the water of the Holy Spirit, and so all the fruit on that tree is drawn up from that well of the Spirit. But there's another type of tree. You can just go build a tree out of wood and nails and you can hammer it together with your own effort and all your activity for God. And then when you realize that no real fruit grows out of it, you can fix that too. You just get yourself a staple gun and staple all that fruit on there. This is how a lot of people conduct their Christian living. Look at all the stuff I do for God while I'm twice the servant of anybody else. You're gonna wake up one morning and say, I'm burned out. I'm burned out from all this Christian service and all the ingratitude I've gotten after all I've done. And you'll leave the church because you don't have any tools to deal with burnout. You don't have right beliefs to know that actually every Christian goes through that. You don't have an internal connection with the Spirit to guide you through it. You'll just say, well, my energy's gone, so I guess my faith must be gone. And pretty soon, you'll be gone. But yet, the internal mystical experience is also something that we can do as a replacement for actually being attached to the vine. 
will say, oh, I feel God, I've loved God since I was a child. And I don't think of God necessarily as Jesus as described in here. I think of God as a mystical uh, entity that I feel a connection with. He doesn't have a name. It, he, she, it doesn't have a claim on my life. Uh, I feel this connection just when I'm playing guitar. Or I feel this connection just when I'm walking in the woods or, or, or just some sort of activity like that, but it doesn't really ever lead you to serve anyone, not really. It certainly doesn't test you and grow you and prune you. It's just a nameless blob of mysticism. That's not the God who made you. That is a God that you made. It's a good deal more sophisticated than what they did in ancient times when they made little gold idols, but only a little more sophisticated. It's really just an invisible idol that only you can see. Through right beliefs and right living and a mystical connection with Christ, we can have a real connection that lets the pruner come in and say, you know what, you need to prune off some of these old buddies who are dragging you down. You need to prune off that connection you've formed on social media with your high school sweetheart. It felt innocent for the first five minutes, but you know what's happened since then. You need to never reach out for that branch again. That, that's over. Some of you need to be prune off all of your busyness and frantic schedules that all add up to not much. All your spending. Some of you are in a job you hate because it's the only way you can afford the house. But this is a great market. If you wanted to get a smaller house and get into a job that actually meant something to you, now's the time to do it. Talk to your spouse. Their response may surprise you. Um, some of you need to cut off all of your suspicion and angst about the church. I don't know if you got that here or you got that somewhere else, but this mistrust of the church has gone on a long, long time. Now this is actually starting to look like something. Can God really clean out your life like that? Absolutely. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my word abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Now we're getting down to it. Now we're learning that God is glorified when we bear fruit. What is this fruit? The fruit of becoming who God made us to be. That's what glorifies him. Here's a story. Uh, parents will get it the most, and I think maybe the rest of you could follow. But uh, years ago, my daughter was in kindergarten. She got to go on an Easter egg hunt with her grandparents. They got to ride a train out to where the egg hunt was. Uh, competitive egg hunt, too. So, you know, whoever has the most eggs in their basket wins a prize. So the kids were storming all over the field. And as the story goes, I guess, uh, a little boy that day fell down and his Easter basket dumped out onto the ground. And the kids descended on him like a plague of locusts. And they snatched up all his eggs and scattered out. And he was left with nothing, sitting on the grass there, crying his eyes out with an empty basket. And I guess my daughter went over and sat down next to the little boy. And she emptied out half of her Easter basket into his. And then they got off and ran off together. 
she did not win the Easter egg hunt. But I felt glory. Because we all want our kids to do stuff, you know, clean your room, say thank you without being prompted, do your homework. And when they do that stuff, we're like, okay, now they have the skills to live. But when they're becoming who they were really made to, we hope they would be, that's what really sends us, isn't it? That's what fills us with glory. Well, your heavenly father is no different. Every time you make the smallest move toward being the person he knew all along you could be, it brings him glory. Jesus says, you know how much God loves me? Well, that's how much I love you. Jesus tells us, you know how much God loves me? Well, that's how much I love you. So relax. Stop freaking out. God is on your side. He is definitely on your side. He's not out to get you. He's not eager to judge you and bundle you up and throw you away. He wants to see your branch flourish with amazing fruit. Now, what is this fruit? Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. There's the fruit. Joy. He said all of this so that we could feel the joy of the Father and have joy. This is the point of the Christian life. He said, I came that you would have life and have it abundantly. In his last words, he says that your joy may be complete. Now, let's use some common sense. There's going to be hard times. Some of you are in them right now. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be serious matters that require your attention. But even in the dark valleys, there runs this silver stream of joy. The joy that comes from knowing that all this pruning that's all this pruning that's happening to you, it's being orchestrated by a loving God who knows, oh, I bet this hurts right now. But wait till you see what this looks like next season. How do we have this overflowing joy? He tells us in his last words, abide in the vine that is Jesus Christ and be ready for God always to prune you into what you really made to be. Pastor Marta, would you come with us and share with us some prayers that will help guide us into abiding with Christ? So I think we all um, want that. We want to abide in his joy. And nobody really wants to be pruned. Um, it's not a fun thing. But um, these are the times that we are to consider and to think. And I think we forget to bring it to the Lord in prayer. So we're going to do that in the next few moments. Uh, we adapted this prayer from St. Patrick, which I know Americans like to celebrate every year this week. I'm sure you heard about it on the news. But um, we consider St. Patrick one of our, our saints, our spiritual mentors. And he left us some prayers. This is a modified prayer. And the basic prayer that we'll all say together is, Christ behind me, 
Christ before me, Christ on my left and Christ on my right. And then I will pray for us all. And during that time, you can reflect about what Garrett has said or what the Lord has said to you and the Spirit is saying to you now about the areas of your life that might be pruned, that God might be pruning, or that the areas of fruit that is that he's showing to us and to others. So you can close your eyes during that time if you want to listen, or you can just pray along with me silently. But together we'll um, do the St. Patrick prayer. So join me and let us be with Christ in prayer right now. Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ on my left, and Christ on my right. Christ behind me, Christ walks in your past. He walks in all the dark rooms you pretend are closed. Pray that he might bring light. Invite him into your past. Experience his forgiveness, his acceptance of you. Offer to him especially all that you are ashamed of. All that you wish to forget. All that still pains and hurts you. And all the hurt that you have caused to others. Walk there in the places that you are afraid of, knowing that he walks with you and he will lead you on. Let's pray. Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ on my left, and Christ on my right. Christ goes before us. He forever goes before us to prepare a place for us. He's on the road we tread. Wherever life is leading us, he has gone before. Perhaps we have no clue about what lies ahead. We know who is ahead of us, though, so the future is not quite unknown. Let us pray. Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ on my left, and Christ on my right. Christ is on my left. He stands sentry on our left. As a strong shield, Christ defends our hearts from the tumult of this world. He stands firm when we are unsure. Whether the attack comes from others or from ourselves, Christ our King, our King shield, has laid himself down on our behalf, even when we don't have the strength to recognize him. Let us pray. Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ on my left, and Christ on my right. Christ is on our right. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only weapon we will ever require. In the face of injustice, Christ will judge. In the valley of despair, Christ is hope. In the storm of illness, Christ is healing. In the desert of poverty, Christ is provision. In the gale of persecution, Christ is the victor. And in the shadow of death, Christ is the light.
Let's pray. Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ on my left, and Christ on my right. Well, let us stand together and we'll receive a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace, both now and forever. Amen. Go in peace.